coming up on Art Palace. I think we would be more successful if we like started like pamphlets that we handed out to parents about the dangers of art and then we got all the parents right. to forbid their forbid kids, them kids from, coming from coming to the theater and the, the museum. museum and then they would be here in droves. Right. Like wouldn't that be a better plan? Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Carolyn Clifford, Community Engagement Manager at Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park. Movies, when you see your, like, career on a on film like what irritates you about that and that's just like one of those things is like museums are just always stuffy right like everyone always has a bow tie on right like it's just that is the representation of a museum right. is stuffy so you're Whereas like ours is dramatic like you would think that working at a playhouse we just walk around like crying all the, time, all the just time just yelling in the hallways like and that is not. No, no. <laughs> that is like not even. You're like we can be boring. <laughs> we are so boring. <laughs> I think I can't tell you many people come to work for us. You know, their first day, they're expected. It's like, oh, <laughs> you have that big industrial coffee pot in the back, and we have a conference room, right. and we work nine to they, five. They imagine like someone busts in yeah. with like a feather boa and like a, a cigarette right. holder, <laughs> and it's that just is not just high. And, drama and the actors are the same. They're, this is their day job. They sure. Come in, yeah. They do their job. Yeah. Well, and it's there's like there's not a lot of drama. There's just not. We have and anytime there's just like a little bit of drama, we like to latch on to it. You're like so excited. You're like finally. <laughs> like we do. Work oh, here. this is juicy. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's one of the things too. Is like actors. I think the ones who are kind of dramatic and misbehave like that just stop getting hired yeah, say they don't work right you know like they, they that work. gets out pretty quickly like yeah. people find out like oh they're hard to work with and people don't hire exactly them. i mean they might be a great actor but it's a big factor i know when people get you know are hiring for roles like oh well i don't want to work with this person right and we live the theater world is small yeah like really small yeah creepily small yeah so it's like so it gets, gets around. around quickly yeah it gets around quickly because yeah it's like, it's like it's like a juice again it's like you said you latch on to that gossip yeah. so it's like man if there's a good story to tell you are gonna, gonna tell, tell it. it right and it's a career of uh, it's a you know a, a business of people who love to tell stories yeah, exactly and they know how to tell them well <laughs> So, be so yeah, so don't be careful about being a nightmare. You were just mentioning uh, before uh, we got up here that you were from Chicago. I am. Mm -hmm. So you can handle the cold. <laughs> I can deal. Well, I grew up in New Orleans. So 18 oh. years in New Orleans and then college through the beginning of my career in Chicago. I had to buy socks. Um, you had, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You didn't have socks? I had like little, you know, like athlete, you know, the sure. ankle socks. That's all I had. Because that's all you need in New that's Orleans? All, if you even need that. Wow. So I didn't was, know this is about <laughs> it was a big New show. Orleans. That I you, mean, it, the coldest it gets there. And, like, they're freak days. Right. They'll cancel school if it's under 40, though. That's hilarious. <laughs> and when, like, nobody, like, they're just like, nobody can deal with this. No, we can't. This is impossible. Well, we don't, a lot of, like, our house didn't have heat. Because we didn't really need it. Yeah. And I lived on a swamp, like... 
house swamp. So mm. we just didn't have a lot. So things froze really quickly and easily because there was so much water and, and, and humidity. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my first year in Chicago was a shock. Yeah. But I survived. <laughs> <laughs> I survived and now I brag about. So had you, like, before that been anywhere to see, like, a lot of snowfall or had you just... My aunt has lived in Fort Thomas my entire life. Oh, okay. And we came up for uh, either Thanksgiving or Christmas, like, around that time. Mm -hmm. And I would always pray for snow. Yeah. And never, never. Never? Not once. We're pretty, like, inconsistent yeah, around that's here. And she would always be like, maybe this year? Yeah. And it never happened. Well, that's the thing about, I was just, uh, you know, here we have a lot of people from all over, you know, who've come here to work. Mm -hmm. So we have lots of different people, you know, a lot of people from north and a lot of people from the south. And it is, like, one of the things about Cincinnati is, like, everyone gripes about the weather constantly. Oh, it's insane. Like, No one is ever happy about the weather. And it's actually pretty much always, like, kind of like just temp it's just kind of like okay it's like pretty neutral like <laughs> right like we have like relatively neutral winters like relatively neutral summers yeah. like there sure it gets hotter and colder <laughs> but like it is ne never as hot as it is in the south and it's nope. never as cold as it is in the north nope. you know so it's like why are the we one big weather thing that i will say that i have learned about being on a hill mm -hmm. lightning and thunder you feel more and like you hmm. see more Really? I, our first big storm here, like, and I live in Evanston up on yeah. the hill a little bit. I asked, I asked my husband, I was like, is it just me? <laughs> or is the thunder louder here? Like, is the lightning brighter here? And he's like, no, I notice it all the time. And then being at the playhouse <laughs> on the hill, every time there's a storm, I like, I think you I just feel it more. Freak out. So, yeah, I, I wonder if we just have, like, we do have kind of extreme thunder and lightning that we're just all... I just of... think it's just because we're higher up. Like, we're closer to the sky. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I mean, Clearly. I guess, I guess we are closer. We are higher up. I, I, now, like, this is me just guessing about the Earth. Like, right. Here's, here's stuff I don't know about. Okay. Let, let me just talk Let's for just a talk second about, about stuff I don't actually know about. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, obviously, we would be higher up than New Orleans. Wait. Way higher up right. in New Orleans. <laughs> and I guess Chicago with the lake, is it lower? The lake and maybe all the buildings, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I just the elevation of Chicago, <laughs> yeah, like it's know. sea level. I, don't I just know. never noticed it in a dramatic way. Yeah. Like Saturday, the whole house, like our whole house lit up with that lightning and thunder. Do, do you like it at all? Or does it, is it always scary? Um, I think I'm getting used to it. See, I kind of like it. Like, I like storms. Like, okay. I think they're kind of fun. I guess because I've lived through enough of them that I know right. nothing bad is going to happen. See, generally. and I'm going to get dramatic here. I'm a Katrina survivor. So oh. it's like the opposite situation. Yeah. It's, I it's mean, like, like a freaky. The worst thing that happens here is like, you know, a tree falls. Over, right. You know, like a tree falls on a car. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, occasionally you see some crazy like tree falls on a house. And I mean, obviously something bad can happen, but you know. Being below sea level, a storm always meant flooding of some sort. Right. Always. And always, of course always. that can happen, but right. it's just so much less likely. Here. And and then, and we, I mean, you have, so New Orleans, we had a lot of hurricanes my whole life. We evacuated 12 yeah. times in the 18 years that we lived there. And then only one of them hit. But like ever since that one hit, this, yeah, the whole storm situation is much different for me. Wow. So did Katrina, how long did you stay in New Orleans after that? So I was still in high school as a junior when okay. it happened. Oh, you're a baby. Um, yeah, I'm young. And we went 
uh, we came, I actually came up here to stay with my aunt for a little while and uh -huh. then settled in Louisville for about six months. Mom and I moved back to New Orleans so I could, I, I went to a professional, uh, special performing arts high school there. Okay. And I, um, did some acting and dance professionally. So it was really hard to have that career somewhere else. Right. Um, so I went back, I graduated with my class and, you know, went on to college, but they did not stay after that. Okay. Like we were in an apartment and mom and dad lived separate. Okay. So that pretty much was part of, part of what got you out of the city in some way? Or? Yes, 100%. That, well, and, like, and just that you were going to college, Yeah, it was too. time Yeah, to, it was like sort of at a, a time on. in your life. But it also just changed what I wanted out yeah. of my life. Like, I was thought I would be happy being a performer. Mm -hmm. Going through that experience um, is what got me, honestly, into community art at all. Huh. So even though I didn't realize that was traje the trajectory I was going to be on at 18, it changed my whole outlook on what I wanted out of my career and what I wanted out of art and yeah. theater in general. Uh, how did you end up at Playhouse? Um, I worked on a grant for about three and a half years that was tasked with bringing the arts to rural Illinois. So I was in counties that either had no artistic programming or very little. Mm -hmm. And our job was to go in and build a program that could sustain or um, go in and give an experience. And I was there, you know, about three and a half years and the grant ended, <laughs> you know, the money ran out and yeah. I just started applying for jobs. I was at the um, University of Louisville working with the African American Theater Program mm -hmm. for about six months when I met my boss, Danielle, who's the director of education. and. She said, we just got to talking about community engagement and what that meant. I didn't know she was hiring. She didn't know that I might be looking. I was actually very happy at, at UofL. But um, she said, you know, I'm going to send you an email after this. <laughs> Can I have your personal email address? And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. And it kind of all snowballed from there. And I, um, that happened in November, and I was working at the Playhouse by February 8th. That's an interesting, I feel like it's an interesting challenge to be like, community engagement with the theater um since it's sort of something you have to go to you know right. and i guess we have the same experience in a way of like how do we bring the museum to people right. or how do we bring these types of experiences to people and you know i think we maybe have like a little bit easier time of it because we can take reproductions sure you know and it's not terribly different i mean we of course always would rather be looking at the real thing and there's so much more detail and things get lost in a reproduction but you can still look at art with people not in the right. museum how how do you engage with people outside well of so the theater um we do have touring shows that go out into sure. the community and community centers um but they're structured for families and kids. Right. They're, they're 45 minutes to an hour. They are professional. We bring in our professional designers. We have our professional acting interns that do them. Like They're great quality. That's one of my programs. But actually, um, that's why we started the Off the Grid program. Because two things were happening. One, ArtsWave fantastically knows that we need to get young professionals involved. Mm -hmm. And we at the Playhouse said, yeah, sure, we can bring them in. We can have some event with beer and wine, which is great. And we know that that attracts people. But what can we do to turn the tables on them and make them the art makers? Mm -hmm. And also make them say, now that I've experienced this and done this and thought, you know, and then hopefully bring them into our doors. Yeah. Like, let them have a theatrical experience 
and then let them see one so that they have a, a connection to it before just sitting down and having a passive experience at the theater because that's what we want, what we all want to avoid, right? Yeah. That's that's the trend that we notice in the millennial generation is we are experiential. So how can we give an experiential moment without it just being reading more in the program? I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say here? Right. Or like, so we do it in many different facets, but the off the grid program is is the one that we're trying yeah. to go to where they're going instead of trying to get them up the hill. We're yeah. going to a bar. Right. Um, we're trying to have an intimate, fun art making experience. And a lot for most of them, it's a first time. It's a first time getting up in front of a mic. So we tried to create programming that was relaxing in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was not like horrifying. Like we're not going to put a spotlight on you. Right. Um, and ask you to read Hamlet. Or, or, or you, yeah, I think, it, so tell people a little bit about like yeah. what those different activities are. So we have um, three different types of programs with Off the Grid. We're partnering exclusively with Mount Adams Pavilion. And one of the reasons we decided to do that as well as to bring young people back to Mount Adams, which they're there on a Saturday night. Right. But how do we get them back on a Wednesday? Yeah, well, and uh, I guess it's smart, it's too, because like, you you know you know there are people who will already go that far. Yeah. Like, they're already going to go here. They're already comfortable going here. So now we just need to get them over just over, a just block a away. Block. Yeah, right? and we want to build up our our neighborhood. I love being in Mount Adams. Yeah. Um, so we've been working with the Mount Adams Pavilion to bring um, – we do a story slam monthly with different topics on a theme and we don't bring in any professional storytellers right. so the difference between our story event and the other amazing we have some amazing storytelling events here in cincinnati mm. um, but the difference is we don't have professional storytellers and we're telling short personal stories um that we that they're writing and they're telling half the time people aren't writing they're getting up and just and just talking for five to 10 minutes and and we tried to keep the themes loose and fun and then we also um do a lip sync battle mm -hmm. weekly i mean monthly excuse me um and that one is probably the most crazy <laughs> uh, we, we have a lot of fun with that one and and then finally we are doing something called live action role playing which is probably our most traditional theatrical experience yeah um we hire a couple of actors, usually two, that is that are on stage with you. We give you a script and a sticker, and the sticker says who you are. Okay. And the script, you know, is highlighted so that you know, and you get a scene in one of your favorite sci-fi TV shows. We recently did Doctor Who Christmas Carol, and we try and treat it like a big like nerd party. It's right. a big fan party. Yeah, I noticed all of the things you had chosen for that were all sci-fi, and I was like, is this? Are you are you targeting a certain type of individual here? Well, a little <laughs> bit, but also it it was what I knew and what I loved. <laughs> so I was like, we're trying to be um, to target you know different groups. We don't expect everyone to come to every type of event. Right. Different people are drawn to different things, but. In the first programming, I guess it was like, oh, I, that stuff I understand, so, right. so I, I can make these events really fun. I saw you said you you, you do Star Trek, but like which, which... We're doing Trouble with Tribbles. Okay, so you're doing original Star Trek. This no. one, this year, yeah. We're not, gonna, not Next Generation. Maybe or... we'll branch out, but Trouble with Tribbles <laughs> is my all-time favorite episode. 
And it's fun. Yeah. I mean, Next Gen gets a little deep, and I feel like... Well, yeah. Although that could be funny. Like, yeah. I think... I, I, was... I mean, and I say that, but Doctor Who Christmas Carol was quite dramatic. Yeah. Like, it is one of the darker Christmas specials um, with Doctor Who. Which, which so, When is that from? It's Matt Smith. Okay. It's I the one with the opera singer and the fish. And, um... I've, have I erased this from my memory? Michael Gambon is Scrooge. Dumbledore is Scrooge. Oh, <laughs> I totally remember this now. Okay. It's my, yes, yeah, it's, I remember Michael Gambon yeah. in it. Okay, got it. Yeah, I was like, sometimes I, I'm not crazy about the Christmas episodes. I don't because they're standalone. Yeah, they're yeah. just. I don't know. Like they're 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 a little too syrupy sometimes, even yes. for me. Like, I, and I I like when Doctor Who gets kind of syrupy sometimes. Like. See, I love it. That's when I love Doctor Who. Like, I hate that I am, like, moved by that Van Gogh episode. Like, I think... The Van Gogh episode is beautiful! I know, and I hate it. Like, I hate that it is so corny, and it's so dumb, and I can't believe it works. Like, it totally works on me. It's the same thing, like, I can't... I hate that when I'm watching, like, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, or any show where people are, like, gifted a house, or anything, like... It totally works on me. And I'm totally, like, misty-eyed and sentimental about it. And I hate that. Like, I'm just like, ugh. Like, I, I'm Scrooge in that moment. Like, resisting the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> like, no. Like, I'm fighting it. I'm just like, ugh. Eat the Christmas dark. But I think part of it is, like, obviously the gesture is genuinely nice. Right. Like, there's nothing about that. But, like... There's also, I, I can always see the puppet master at work. Like, I see the strings, you know? And anytime I see the strings and see how this is designed to tug specifically on my heartstrings, I'm like, I hate it. Like, right. I hate anything where it's obviously manipulative of me. And I know, and it's obvious why, like, how they are doing That's that. what I have with comedy. I hate it when I can feel them trying to make me laugh. Oh, but see, that doesn't see, bother me at all. It drives me nuts. Like, what's an example of that? Like, what do you think? Stand-up comedy in general. <laughs> what? I, I'm so much more drawn to, like, Mike Perpiculia, who is, like, a storyteller comic. Sure, yeah. But when they, like, it's, like, joke, set up, joke. Yeah. It just, it bothers me. Or any, you know, like, two broke girls. <laughs> my in-laws love that show and so, so just like sitcoms in general no i love sitcoms oh, okay. just like those that, that specific show. that like specific two and a half men like i yeah like i can feel the joke coming and like they're like winking at me like mm, got it yeah totally oh it drives me nuts um who is the creator of Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory? What's his name? Chuck, Chuck. Lorre. Chuck Lorre, yep. Chuck Lorre. So I read this um, essay by Tom um, Bissell. Bissell, I don't know how he pronounces his name. But he um, wrote this essay all about like being on the set of... I can't remember if it was Two and a Half Men or, or Big Bang Theory. Uh, but... It really like made me respect Chuck Lorre as like an artist, <laughs> and I never thought that would day would come because I don't like those shows. But I, I, it was really interesting because I realized that he understands the world he is working right. in, and he is really good at it. And the way that they use audiences as like a testing mechanism was really yeah. fascinating. Like they test those, they, those live audiences really are important because mm-hmm. they figure out what jokes land, what don't. Right. And they basically, those people 
become like America for them. Like, okay, this is America right there. If they didn't laugh at this right now, we've got to rewrite right. it. And so they're like rewriting stuff on the set all the time. Like they see, and that to me, I don't know. See, and my favorite, and so I'll, you, it makes me sound like I hate comedy. My favorite playwright to this day, I do not care how cheesy it is. I don't care. Neil Simon, I love it. It lands every time. I can watch yeah. Barefoot in the Park. They're great. And the, I mean, it's hilarious to me. Yeah. I don't think he did. He did that. Oh no! Totally. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like those are the funniest jokes. I yeah. just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I, this is my snotty art person coming I, in. I guess, like, I, I don't... It's probably not how I would work, but mm-hmm. I also, I respect, like, that... I guess whenever I realize that there is more thought and oh, concern yeah. in something than I maybe gave it credit for, it made me kind of reevaluate. Because I guess I don't... Yeah, you just think of these things as, like, oh, this joke is obvious, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, they also probably, they maybe tried that less obvious joke and realized that, well, only... Only a couple people Only a couple it, people right. got it. And so we have to change this We have because, to bring joy to everyone. Right. Like, that's not the goal of this, you know, yeah. and that, that kind of stuff lands when you're shooting to a different audience and it's okay if, if certain things land. But I think those shows work because you're expected to get a laugh, like, every few seconds. Well, and the brilliance about Big Bang Theory is that they do both. Yeah. There's like a whole other layer of nerddom in that show. Right. That like when I'm watching with my mom, she gets none of the jokes and I'm like on the floor. Which is true. And see, that is, and that's I think that's something that, that, that is something respectable there that it's like, it can put all these like little like cute jokes for nerds in there. And then also like my parents love it too. And I don't think yeah. they understand. Cause like, I've never, I don't really watch the show except when I'm at my parents' that's house and it's on. <laughs> And I'll be like, oh, they're from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Like, I, I'll, like, be filling them in, and they're just like, oh, that's nice. You know, they don't care. <laughs> they don't like, care. they don't care at all that that's Starbucks. They don't, they don't know. No. Um, but, so, yeah, that is interesting. And I guess it's kind of like The Simpsons have always been like that, too, where you you can get the joke, you can get the reference in Simpsons, but if you don't, it still functions. Exactly. That's always been, like, uh, The Simpsons' rule of writing, basically, is that if if you have to understand the reference to get the joke, then it's not... It's not working, you know? Like, the joke has to function without the reference. That is truly brilliant. So so if you think about it, like, any Simpsons joke, like, if you notice, like, oh, they're imitating something else, and that's funny, but it's also funny on an, for another reason, right. or it's still funny at the same time doing, right. because it's doing something else simultaneously. So it's, it's really clever that you can, everyone can come to it where they're at, you know? And that's what we try to do with the LARPing, too, because... The very first event, I was really worried. Buffy was like my least one that I wasn't as into as the others. And so I was oh, I worried, like, if people come to the Buffy musical and have never seen a Buffy episode, yeah. are we going to lose them automatically? So I try, we try to do both, like, put enough things in there that are only for people that get it. And then, like, the Doctor Who episode, we had, like, 10 people there that had never even seen an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. And... I, so I was relieved that they had a good time, like a really good time. Yeah, we do. We do like pop culture tours and we always have somebody who shows up who has never seen the thing we're talking about. <laughs> and it's always really funny because we're like, what? Yeah. Okay, so why did you like? Right. But they're just like, oh, I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be fun. So, okay. So you did uh, So you did a LARPing to uh, the Buffy musical we episode? We did. And we did it more like a sing-along. So we had, okay. we did That's some That's what I was the... wondering. Like, that seems pretty like... Yeah, so that one felt like Bold to a sing along. We to... put up the big screen okay. um, and then had the lyrics scrolling on the bottom and then acted out the scenes that weren't um, songs. Although, 
a couple of them we did as a lip sync. So like the Willow and the Willow romance song, Under Your Spell. Like yeah. That, and the audience member got, we call it the genius because we use signupgenius.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. So we call all the people that, that sign up geniuses. And the genius got so into it. She was hilarious. She was like laying on the bar, seducing <laughs> our professional actor. It was amazing. It was so great. And I think too, a lot. Um, I expected a lot of like theater type people to be drawn to these activities, yeah. and what has it's proven to be the opposite. People who aren't, who don't get that outlet every yeah. day, are the ones that are coming and letting loose and just having fun. And yeah, well, it seems like there's enough of a safety net there. That's the goal. Because yeah. you know, the average person. People like you and I, uh, show-offs, um, are not, you know, are not worried about getting up on a stage right. in front of people. Um, but I think most to most people that is kind of terrifying, and so you have to kind of provide like some I kind will of safety say net this for them. Too though, the actor that did show up for the LARP was like freaked out. Really? Like, oh, I have to be good for the because and they were worried like, that they were they fans. thought they were performing right. Right. Where it's like no, this is You're playing, fun, and then yes. as soon as you start playing and stop performing, mm-hmm. it becomes a much more genuine theatrical experience. Yeah, yeah. Because what people forget is that actors spend years and years and years training themselves to play. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting that like they, I can totally see that too, though. Like if you're in it, like it's just like the way I, I can't, I I can, I guess that's not true. I was going to say I can't really play like Pictionary in the same way that maybe somebody else does, but I I do have like, okay, this is how I draw for Pictionary. This is how I draw. So I think there are different levels, you know, you adjust, but yeah, it's like if you go to karaoke and somebody takes it too seriously, it stops being fun. You know, you're like... Turn it down. You know? Like, we're just here to have fun. Like, we're not here to, like... We didn't oh, buy yeah. tickets to see you. So, like, chill out. Well, um, we used to go to karaoke. Um, when I was living in Chicago, we, I yeah. lived in Andersonville. And we would go to this drag bar that did karaoke on yeah. Wednesday nights. For everyone. But, like, the people there were... Ser- I never... I never sang. Because they, they were... Like, it was a li- It was their life. Yeah. I and they could all sing. I mean... Yeah. They could be on The Voice tomorrow. I, yeah. It's, I it's kind of... This is maybe my thing too. Like, I don't actually like doing karaoke with a lot of theater people around because because you're always gonna hear suddenly Seymour always. Oh, uh, or like Wicked. Or Wicked. You know, like it's gonna be a lot of like. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of Wicked. You, you maybe you're maybe you're a little bit of Rent thrown in here and there. It's like I don't like this is not fun, guys. Like this is fun in the middle of a show. But, like, yeah. taken out of context, this is just weird. Like, we're all sitting... I don't know. Like, I'm... I, Why are we singing about AIDS and death right now? <laughs> like, over my martini. Like, right. this is... <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Like, can we just sing? Because like, they're in the book going, oh, I don't know any of these songs. I don't know any... Oh, I know that one. <laughs> and then, like, I try to sing at those... At those it, and that's why, like, if I try to sing at those places, I get up and I'm like, I'm going to sing whole. Like, I'm going <laughs> to... Like, I'm singing Courtney Love. And then, like, everyone just looks at me like, I am crazy. Like, what? Because I'm just screaming up there. But I'm like, this is fun. This this is nonsense. Like, and they are taking it. And I'm, like, the person who's basically, like, laughing in church. Right. Right? Like, like, you do not take our church seriously. You do not take our religion seriously. Which is why I think lip sync is so fun. Yeah. Because we're not asking you to... Well, sing it. It's just... Well, yeah, it's another... I think it's another... It's even more... Because there's... I think you... 
when I was saying about kind of a safe safety net, yeah. it's like you know, a lot of people have these kind of barriers to performing and it's like, so karaoke gives you one safety net of like the lyrics are right there. Right. But even for some people, then that's, that's too much because that still requires them to sing right. and they are not comfortable singing in public, but like, yeah, lip syncing. And I did not expect people to go as all out as they go. I yeah. mean, like some people don't and they come in their regular clothes and they're great and wonderful and we love having them. Some people with the costumes are, I mean, it's unlike anything I've seen. Yeah. We had a couple do Baby It's Cold Outside, the Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey version in <laughs> reverse drag. Oh, wow. So she was Nick Lachey and he was Jessica Simpson. Yeah. That's funny. And, yeah. But I, could, I think like also lip sync battles have become like a pop culture phenomenon right, right now Absolutely. too. So they're kind of enjoying this. This, this moment. moment yeah and people are getting quite artistic like they're going in their own ways with it that's like cool. some people are going you know very exactly what they're seeing but others are just just going for it and then we've kind of opened it up so we'll have like our battle for about an an hour and then afterwards we find that once people have watched it then they're willing to to yeah. do it so we've been doing what we're calling sync or sing Okay. <laughs> so you can either karaoke or like do a lip sync in an open mic situation. And that's been really fun and goofy. And we did have a wicked yeah. moment. <laughs> a drag wicked moment. But someone had come and done the Grinch for the December one. Yeah. He's like, I'm in green. Like, I can't, we have to do wicked. <laughs> and they did it. I like that. Well, I look. <laughs> look, I'm, I'm in green. It would be a shame not to do wicked. And right the guy now. that he pulled up with him had done Nancy Sinatra, so he was in like a blonde wig. So they were boots, already so. like. And he, he looks at the audience and goes, I've only heard this song once. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty magical. Well, that's. Version of Defying Gravity. I think that's the version I would like to hear the most, actually. Somebody who's <laughs> only heard it once. Well, yeah, trying... it helps that it's lip sync, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. I guess, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was going out straight to karaoke. But there were times where he'd be standing there and, like, hear the Kristen Chenoweth part and be like, oh. Oh, oh, oh that's me. That's oh, me. That's me. <laughs> it ended, the guy in green, like, pulled a chair, was, like, on the chair pretending to fly. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> he got on his stomach. So it looked like alpha bows in the air. Aww. It was quite magical. I'm surprised that the bar didn't let... They were not concerned about safety. <laughs> Neither was I. <laughs> yeah, maybe we shouldn't mention their name just in yeah, case, like, right. it's any inspectors or anything yeah. listening. We don't want them to get shut down yeah, or no, anything. Well, I thought we could go look at some art in the galleries sure. now. I have no idea what we're going to look at, so this will be fun. <laughs> any community So we are looking at a painting right now. We are in gallery 210. And this this gallery has a very large painting in it that distracts from everything else in this room. So I was admitting I hadn't really looked at this painting all, that we're about to talk about very much because I'm always distracted by um, our giant Hamlet painting over nice. here. Yeah, but we're gonna look at a different theater themed piece. Uh, this is The Italian Comedians uh, by Philippe Mercier, is how I would assume that's pronounced from my high school French. Mm -hmm. uh, Philippe Mercier. That's beautiful. Oh, très bien. Uh, so you actually said you studied Commedia dell'arte. I did. I studied a lot of it. And I teach it 
to oh. little ones. Well, I can be a little camp. one. <laughs> <laughs> I teach, so at the Playhouse we do a, a summer theater camp, mm -hmm. and I teach the movement aspect of it. I should um, just say here, we also do summer camps. <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Yeah, I know. I was just like, hey, look, I don't, I don't need anyone competing with my summer camps on here. <laughs> so pretend I am a child. Okay. That, uh, let's pretend I am not so knowledgeable about Commedia dell'arte. Okay. Uh, let's pretend that I uh, know about as much as a third grader. And my favorite ones. They're they so are the cute. best. Third graders are great. <laughs> third cute doing third grade doing Commedia movement was everything to me this summer. So what does that mean? Even so, what is Commedia movement? In Commedia dell'arte, traditionally, now in this painting, they, they aren't wearing the masks. And that's actually the first thing I said. Was, yeah. I was really surprised they weren't wearing the masks. But um, it is made up of many different stock characters and stock situations so that when the troops would tour all around Europe, anyone could understand it. So they often mm. spoke in gibberish. And then the movement had to inform what was happening in the scene so that the language was not a barrier for enjoyment. Oh, wow. And they would wear um, masks so that people could automatically know that is that character. I know who that is, and I know the types of things that he or she does. Except for the two lover characters. They were the only unmasked characters. There was a male and a female lover. Um, young, you know, bright-eyed. But so with that mask, you have to think about what the rest of your body is doing. Mm -hmm. Because you no longer have your face as the main way of expressing your emotions and feelings. Um, so when I teach comedian movement, I always start with one of the stock characters was a zany, and that is what we would think of as the comic relief, right? Yeah. The crazy one. This in in comedia is also all about class. So mm. there's the servant class and the master class. The zanies are all in the servant class. The most famous zany would be Arlequino or Harlequin mm -hmm. um, with the diamonds. Yeah. And um, we always start with the zany walks and runs. So there's six different walks and or runs that they would do in particular situations. Um, and so we start with that with the little ones, and it's so fun. Cool. So some of them. Um, and then the other thing about Commedia is all where your center, center of gravity is. So like a zany center of gravity is always going to be lower. Mm -hmm. So they're almost always in like a squatting position. And how can you move and walk and run in that way? Why, why is the center of gravity lower? Because they're servants. So they oh, need to be so they're physically just like lower. In a sort of mm -hmm. kind of position of bowing yeah. almost. And they're also, um, the zanies are known for being sly and cat-like, and they're, tri they're the tricksters of the right. situation. So they're often like crawling under things or out of things. Um, and I think that, that that's part of it too. I mean, they jump, right? The yeah. famous like cat jump where their feet come up all the way yes and their hands go up that's a comedia surprise jump like oh <laughs> but all of the movement um is informing what that stock character does right so they have almost a vocabulary so it's like language hmm. in comedia movement is like language so if you were uh to look at this and you know, we haven't actually described it for anyone what we're right. looking at, um, which is important because they're not here. They can't see it. <laughs> they're just listening to this. Um, so we should describe like what we're looking at. And then I'm curious how, how you read this scene because I feel like you probably have a little more insight than I, I would. Um, so I don't know. What do you see? What are you looking at? 
I see a woman mm-hmm. who is sitting and leaning back. She looks exhausted, <laughs> tired. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a man who looks a little lecherous. <laughs> He's looking down right into her bosom. And then in the back, you see someone, oh, another woman who's got some kind of glint in her eye, like she's ready to either encourage the situation or end the situation. (laughs) Yeah, well, she's in the shadows. She's in the shadows, but I I have a feeling that she's about to cause mischief. (laughs) Because of the look in her eye and the like tilt of her shoulder and her head. Well, yeah, so he's, he's looking down at her. And he's holding his arm back. And I don't know if that's like a physical thing that he's doing to stop himself from what he wants to do. <laughs> I've never because noticed her, that. Like he's, you know, physic- and she's, um, and then the, the woman at the center of the picture with her eyes closed, she's, I mean, she's got like a beautiful cushion that she's almost completely, she's either taking a nap. I would assume, and maybe it's like, sometimes it, it, it's hard to tell, uh, but I would assume she, you were talking about different classes. Do you think she in the front is from an upper class? Yes, definitely. I would assume so just from her dress. From her dress, her hair. That cushion, I would say like yeah. if we were to look at stock characters. Now, this painting is from a later tradition of commedia that came through England in the 17th century uh-huh. and 18th century, which I know a little bit less about. Um, it's a little more in the French tradition. Yeah. But I would say she's probably the Isabella character, the... The beautiful female lover. Okay. Who always has a raised center of gravity. You can even see as she's reclined, her shoulders are almost like up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, she's she's even she's sleeping in a yeah. in a classy she's way. She's sleeping in a classy way. Yeah. With the bows yeah. and the hair and the pink cheeks. Yeah, she's not just kind of like slumped over, right. like snoring. <laughs> but yeah, what the lady in the back in the shadows, she she definitely looks like to me, I always I feel like she is she is pleased at seeing this this sort of juicy scene, right? right? Like she's she's enjoying it. She looks like a like she's a she's, gossip. Yeah, she's either gonna go run and tell someone yeah. to like start something right. with the situation, or she's gonna get involved. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel like. Yeah, she's gonna she's, like walk up and slap him or something. I don't know. Yeah, she's delighted by she's catching delighted him by in, catching this him moment. in this moment. Yeah. yeah. She, she knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, I, I don't know. It's funny because probably a lot of kids would look at this and not realize how kind of dirty this painting oh, is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's like commedia. That yeah. is the commedia thing. I mean, so it was quite the challenge to teach commedia to children. When I've been doing it for a while now, not just at the Playhouse, but camps and other things in general, Mm -hmm. because it is very, it's sexually driven. Yeah. A lot of the characters are... Yeah, and it's like, there comes a point where like, do we want to have this conversation? Yeah, there are certain stock characters that we couldn't even talk about because of the... So the skits that they do are called Lotsies. And because of... So the Lotsies are the scenes that they play out. Yeah. Which is... So dirty. Now, kids love the... But is it all like, is it dirty in a way that's sort of coded? No. So It's the just really direct. Yeah, the big difference between like Commedia and, you know, the, the French tradition um, and some of the restoration style things is it, it was very direct. Yeah. It was, it was theater for the people. I mean, it was happening right. in the streets. And, and some of the other really famous Lazis are um, not sexually dirty, but like gross out humor. Like hmm. there's a lot of fart jokes and... Um, 
They're the, one of the most famous ones is like a teeth pulling thing with the blood spurting out. Wow. So they loved that like base big comedy. So this is like Farrelly Brothers movies from for for like the Renaissance <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I always feel like if kids only knew how dirty art was half the time, they would just really enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> like, like I have to, I almost, I'm always very wary of that kind of message where people try to tell you how good for you art is, you know, like, and right. we definitely can fall into that trap of like this presumption that like art is so good for you. You should go to the museum or you should go to the theater because it's good for you. Like it's, it just makes it sound so wholesome. Right. And I just want to be like, no, it's no, dangerous. No, it's not. We are the, rev <laughs> I always say this though. Artists art are the original revolutionists. Right. It's like, I mean, no, this stuff is dangerous. It, and it was, it was dangerous. Like we should be telling, we should like, I think we would be more successful if we like started like pamphlets that we handed out to parents about the dangers of art and then we got all the parents right? to forbid their forbid kids, them kids from, coming from coming to the theater and the, the museum and then they would be here in droves right. like wouldn't it's that true. be a better plan i agree i mean and there's like a lot of stuff, theater stuff happening at this moment where I'm, people are like well but you come to theater just to sit and enjoy it it's like no that is not how theater started that is not why we were around yeah well and it's it's always i mean when you're talking about like oh this was theater for the people um there's just i think it's another thing that's really funny is we always assume things in the past were like classy oh yeah and like no and and, and so i think even if somebody were walking through the museum they saw this they might think oh what a what a very refined scene or something, right. but it's really, it's like, a, it's like a painting of a sitcom like we were talking about earlier, yeah. right? And you were talking about stock characters and sort of being able to communicate without um, language. I mean, I feel like you could probably mute a sitcom and get a lot of the jokes. Like there's a lot of, you know, some of the right. physical comedy would still translate. You People would come in and you probably would still know who that character was right. and what their role function was, right? Like if you're watching a sitcom and there's a, a sleazy boss character, like you know they're a you sleazy know, yeah. boss. Like they don't have to open their mouth, right? So... Um, I think a lot of those traditions still exist, and it's it's funny to think about how I don't know we class things up a, a bit, right, you, know? you know, in the in the retelling. Right. No, that was never Comedia. Comedia was, and it was always relevant. I mean, so even though it was like stories that could go all over Europe, um, there was a character called Capitano, mm -hmm. and he he was you know a military captain, but he was constantly getting into. He was a braggart, okay. so and he was in a master class, and so that's a big part of the political aspect of Commedia is they would use him to reflect what was happening mm -hmm. and how easily that translated to all over the all over the continent at that time. Was since you're you're saying that a lot of Commedia was about class, was it usually? And it sounds like the lower class and the servant class are sort of treated as the comedy characters, but are they sort of poking fun at the right. upper class? Exactly. Always? So the because I would assume the audience is probably mostly in that right. class. So right. So most of the master characters um, were making big mistakes 
and were easily manipulated by their servants. I mean, the servants spent their whole, the majority of the show manipulating. Now, they obviously got in little scrapes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Lazzi where one of the characters, uh, master character Pantalone, probably one of the most famous, puts Arlecchino in a bag. Okay. Um, and it kicks it and all of that. But in the end, Arlecchino tricks him into the bag, uh. right? So they, they were the tricksters and they were smart. The servant, right. the servant class, they were the smart ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Using their guile and, <laughs> and wit. Well, that upstairs-downstairs thing has always been fun. You know, it's like, that's the fun of watching Down right. Abbey or is watching the difference in these lives and the way they intersect and, and how, yeah, sometimes the servants are more aware of, of the big picture than, you know... Lady Mary or somebody right, exactly. who, who has a pretty oh, narrow... Oh, Lady Mary. <laughs> oh, Lady Mary. Oh, poor thing. You know, who has a very narrow, narrow view. view. You know, they, they get to see both of it. You know, they go upstairs, they go downstairs. They're invisible in a way, too, to, to everyone. So people talk too freely around them, so they pick things up. Exactly. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I like that, that. I assume that would be the case, that the servants would be sort of almost the heroes in a way of, of these stories because that's it's more interesting yeah <laughs> it's not very fun to like just be like wow aren't rich people great <laughs> well, and what they would do i mean in the class of actors they were in the servant class right you know the actor acting troops were like well regarded oh absolutely <laughs> and they would pack up all of their stuff into a wagon and go from town to town they didn't live glamorous beautiful lives yeah we were talking about that in uh the episode uh, with the ballet too, and it just performers in general right. were not held in the kind of high regard that we think of, you know, today to be an actor right. and, and to be a movie star is like, oh my gosh, it's so glamorous. Like that's, but you know, nobody wanted to be the equivalent. No, no. Like that would just be like, oh, you know. They were probably thought better, worse of than the oh, service. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, oh, these people are bad. Oh yeah, and, to be an yeah. entertainer, it was just like, oh. Yeah. And they would do their all of it in the street. Yeah. They would set up their stage. Everything happened right there in the street. They weren't like invited into the palace until later in the tradition, much later. I guess the only way that still kind of is around is like, you know, if a kid tells their parents like, oh, I'm, I'm going to college to, to be an actor. <laughs> Right? There's lots of tears. <laughs> Are you or, sure? What's the backup? Right. What's your backup what's plan? What's the minor? What's, what right. are you minoring in? Every, everyone's excited when it works out. But when you're, before you go, if you, if you know, you decide on a career <laughs> in the arts, usually it's like, eh, you, sure, you, you sure about that? You sure about that one? Yeah. Well, any other thoughts you have about this uh, painting? I was just looking at the background, and it's clearly daytime because of how light the blue is. Right. And how the clouds are like fluffy, but it's painted with almost a shadow over it. Which is kind of, for me, makes me think about the theater again because right. it's the only place where you can have a shadowy sky, right? Right. right? Yeah. It almost is a, another way. Although I, I don't feel like maybe it feels. It doesn't quite feel like a backdrop in that way, but it makes sense that, you know, you can do that in theater. You can drop the, the lighting the on lighting. the background and, and focus on the characters um, in this way. So um, 
Although it's kind of funny because I would imagine at the time this was painted, lighting wouldn't be that sort of right advanced. Advanced, right? Like you, you. I, I mean, again, I'm not the theater expert on the history of theater lighting, but well, like, I can guarantee that Commedia, what they didn't bring their own lights, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Were. I mean, you think it, I would imagine at this point everything would be fairly evenly lit, yeah. like you kind it's of lit at all. Yeah, yeah, you you try to just make sure everyone can be seen, and that's kind of the end of the goal, right. probably. Uh, you don't get to be too much fancier than that. So, um, but yeah, it, it kind of, that's what it makes me think of at least is almost that, you know, that's just a backdrop that is not in focus, right. that it's, it's, and so that's another interesting way that that could be referencing the theater and not so much that we are watching a real scene in real space with real people, but another hint maybe that this is just a charade well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Russell. I'm just happy to be here. Join us for LARP. Check us out um, cincyplay.com. Sure. You can, you can plug. I got to plug. <laughs> They'll kick me out. Why were you there? <laughs> you spent two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even say the website? <laughs>'a staff art exhibition. For program reservations and more information, visit cincinnatiartmuseum.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalao. Hey, are you listening on an iPhone? Why not subscribe to our podcast on iTunes? And while you're at it, leave us a nice review. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.